Open your Bible today to the book of Job. This is not a great sermon necessarily. Maybe it will be. We'll have to wait and see when it's over. But it is a great topic. I want to talk to you today about four keys for every crisis. Now, I did a sermon on this about a month and a half ago, and we did the first two keys and ran out of time. And so today, we're going to pick up where we left off and try to get the other two keys in. I think we can finish it today. And on your table today, you have a bookmark. We reprinted the same bookmark that we had last time, four keys for any crisis. Because in life, all of us go through times of crises. We go through things in life that are difficult and hard and challenging. Now, before we get into Job's crisis, let me say this. Not everything in life is a crisis. You know, there's some people who want to make everything a crisis. The Astros didn't win the championship last year. That was a crisis. That wasn't a crisis. That was a disappointment. Your battery in your car is dead. That's not a crisis. That's an inconvenience. You go to a restaurant. Service is slow. Food is cold. That's not a crisis. That's a bad meal. Now, when they closed Luby's down up here, that was a crisis. Because that changed my life negatively. I mean, that was a crisis. And when we come to the book of Job, we find Job facing multiple crises all at the same time. And we looked at that in detail last time, but I'm, and we won't break that all down, but just as a refresher, if you were here, weren't here for the last sermon, Job, first thing he lost was all of his possessions. He lost his animals. And back in Bible times, your wealth was not primarily like in like it is today with stocks and bonds and cash and gold and silver. They had some of that, not stocks, but they had some money and gold and silver. But back in Bible times, one's wealth was determined primarily by their land, by how much livestock they had, how much uh, things they could produce through those animals and they could sell that. And so your livestock represented your wealth. Job lost all of his livestock. He lost Far worse than that, he and his wife had 10 children, seven sons, three daughters. He lost them all. They lost them all in one day at the same time. All 10 of those kids had come together for a birthday party at the oldest child's house, and a big storm, like a tornado, blew through, and all 10 of his kids were killed on the same day. I cannot even begin to imagine what that would have been like. After that, he lost his health. He had boils on his body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And if that was not bad enough, his friends said to him, Job, the reason for all these crises in your life the reason for these problems is because you have some sin in your life that you've hidden from us, but you can't hide it from God. And God is a God of justice, and God is giving you what you have deserved. And so Job lost his reputation. Here's a man who all of his life had been looked upon in the community that he lived as a holy, godly, righteous man, which he was. But some of his friends wrongly concluded that because of his troubles, there was sin in his life. And so Job lost his reputation. He had a terrible crisis going on in his life. And as you see on the bookmarks today, there are four keys. There are four things that Job did to help him through his crisis. Now, as I said last time, and I do want to repeat this part today, these keys that are on that bookmark that we're going to look at today, these keys don't necessarily unlock a door that will give you an escape. They don't open a door of escape from your problem. Now, sometimes they might. You have a problem, you pray, God removes the problem. But more often than not, when we're going through a crisis, God's not going to remove the problem. God's not going to just make it go away. 
What God's going to do, if we'll take these keys, what they do, they open doors of God's grace, God's mercy, God's help, God's strength, God's power for us. And that's certainly what happened in Job's case. Now, let's look at these four keys. First of all, Job had what I'm calling a proper perspective. He really did. In chapter number one, look down in verse number 20. After he had lost his children and his possessions and his wealth, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. And so his heart was broken. He had lost so much that he treasured, and yet his, his perspective was right. He realized that even our greatest earthly blessings are only temporary. And so he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, the second key that Job used, I'm just re- giving a quick review at the beginning. He had a fierce faith. And if you'll go to chapter number 13, I do want to show you this verse again. We could never see this enough. Chapter 13 and verse 15 Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In other words, what Job was saying is, I don't understand what's going on. You see, the problem, one of the problems Job had, he never understood why he was having all these problems. He just assumed God was causing all these bad things to happen. He never knew that Satan and God had had a conversation And that God had given Satan permission to bring problems into Job's life. Job didn't understand his problems were coming from the devil. God allowed them, but the devil was the author of the problems. He just assumed they were from God. But nonetheless, his faith was strong. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. A strong faith. And then go to chapter number 23. Another verse that uh, I have turned to many times in my own life and found great comfort. In Job chapter 23 and verse 10, Job said this, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. In other words, Job was saying, I don't understand anything that's happening in my life. None of this makes sense. None of this seems fair. None of this seems right. But Even though I don't know what's going on, God knows, and he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. So he had a fierce faith. Now, with that, I want to pick up where we left off last time and talk briefly about these two other keys, two things that Job did in addition to having a proper perspective and a fierce faith. Job had what I'm calling today a healthy spiritual diet, a healthy spiritual diet. You're in chapter 23. Look in verse number 12, because all this now is new material. Job said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. Now watch this next part. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What was Job saying? Job was saying in this mess I'm in, words from God have become more important to me than breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Words from God have become more meaningful to me and more necessary to me than my basic uh, dietary needs. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You know, the Bible says of itself that when we read God's word, it's kind of like drinking spiritual milk and eating spiritual meat. 
And just like milk nourishes us and just like meat strengthens us, this is what the Bible does for us. It nourishes us and it strengthens us. There's something about the Bible. You know, when we read, if you read through your Bible regularly, you know, and you don't need me to tell you, that you're going to come across some anchor verses that you can build your faith on. And there are quite a few of those in the Bible. For example, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God. That's an anchor verse. Psalm 103, 19, God is, God is sovereign. God has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. It says to me, whatever we're going through, God's in control. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, where Joseph, after several crises in his life, said to his brothers who had done him wrong, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. That's an anchor verse. In other words, you read that verse, you say, you know what? I don't understand what's going on. None of this makes sense to me. Why I would lose my job? Why the bad report from the doctor? Why the problem at home? None, I don't understand any of it, but I do believe that God has allowed it into my life and I do believe that God intends it for my good and for his glory if I will respond properly. So there are those anchor verses, but you know, sometimes we read our Bible you're not necessarily always going to find an anchor verse, something that's totally life-changing to that magnitude, but you're going to find in the regular reading of God's Word some verses, some truths from God that will help you day by day. Now, I want to give you two examples of this. First, I want to give you an example from my own Bible reading yesterday. I was reading my Bible, and I read my devotional book, and I'm reading out of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I came across three things that blessed me yesterday, not because I was in a crisis, because I wasn't, but just because it was a day. Now, turn, you're in Psalms, or maybe you, or you're close to Psalms, go to Psalm 16. Let me just show you one verse, and just to show you how, when you read your Bible, just a verse can speak to you, and all day long, you can carry that verse with you in your heart, and in your mind. And this was one of the verses for me yesterday. Uh, Psalm 16 and verse 8. David said this. He wrote it. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. In other words, this verse is saying that God is always with us. And so I read that verse yesterday and I said, God, at the beginning of this day, I just want, I wasn't thinking about a sermon. I wasn't thinking about First Baptist Church. I wasn't thinking about any responsibility. I was thinking about, I'm reading the Bible and I'm in a quiet time. But I, I got this out of it. I thought, God, I just want to thank you at the beginning of this day that you are with me. Now, the next passage I read had to do with prayer. We won't look it up, but it had to do with prayer and the importance of prayer in the believer's life. And so I read that. And then the next passage I read was in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter of the Bible. Love is patient, love is kind, and so on. And so I read that, and I finished my quiet time, and I was just reflecting on it. And I was just thinking about what I'd read. I thought, well, God, today in my own Bible reading, I read a verse about you being with me, and I read a verse about the importance of prayer, and I read a passage, a chapter about love. And so, God, as I go through this day, I just pray as I go through it, I, I thank you that you're with me. Help me to focus on your presence with me throughout the day, whatever I face, wherever I go. And not only that, help me today to be a man of prayer and to spend some significant time today praying. And God, today, help me to walk in love, to treat people with love and with kindness and to be a loving person. So that was my quiet time here. Now, those are not what you would call necessarily life-changing 
verses or, or those anchor verses I mentioned earlier, but they're just truths. I mean, folks, I think we would all agree knowing that God is with us every day is a good thing. Amen. <laughs> and knowing that God answers prayer and knowing that, hey, we get out there in life and sometimes we get in a situation where it's not always easy to be loving and kind. We say, God, you have poured your love in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Help me today to be a man of love. Help me to walk in love today. That was, just, that was just so full in my heart coming off my quiet time yesterday that I wanted to share it with you. Now, if you today are in a crisis, I would encourage you to read your Bible every day. But if you're in a crisis, I'm going to encourage you to do something even in addition to that, or in, in a, this is a, a specific way to read your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to spend some extra time reading in the book of Psalms. Years ago, decades ago, I heard someone say, I can't remember who said it or where I read it, but they said this, the Psalms are the deep waters of the Bible. There's something about the Psalms. It's like we meet ourselves in the Psalms. The, David and others who wrote these psalms, they're talking to us about fear and anxiety and they're, in, they're having enemies in their lives, people trying to destroy them. And all the people, people are sick and painful and all the things that they're going through, they're lonely and they're afraid. And yet in the psalms, we find the writers of these psalms just pouring out their heart to God. And as they pour out their heart to God, most of the time, by the end of the psalm, their, 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 their faith is renewed. Their hope is restored. Their perspective has changed. And now they're focusing on God. Now, many years ago, in fact, when my mother was 12 years old, she went to Ridgecrest Baptist Encampment in North Carolina to a conference up there for kids her age. And this has been so many years ago that Billy Graham was already a big deal in the world, but he was not as big a deal as he, as he came to become later on. But he came and spoke to a group of 12-year-old kids one night by a campfire. And my mother was in that group. It was not a huge group, but he came and spoke. He was probably in his maybe 30s or so at that time, maybe 30, mid-30s. And he just shared with those group of kids the importance of reading your Bible every day. And one of the things he said to them was that he, in his own life, read five Psalms and one chapter out of Proverbs every day. The proverb was the proverb of the day, like today would be Proverbs chapter 20. And for the Psalms, he read five Psalms a day. Now, I'm not sure how Dr. Graham read the Psalms. He may have just read like one through five, and the next day six through 10, then 11 through 15. Maybe he just did it sequentially like that. But many years ago, I heard somebody say that the best way to read through the Psalms, now I'm, I'm trying to give you something today that you can do today that will help you with whatever you may be facing in your life. And somebody suggested this, the way to read through the Psalms, five a day, there's 150 Psalms. So if you read five a day, that means in a month's time, you've read through the whole book of Psalms. And I'm not currently doing this, but I've done that many, many times in my life. And the person said, begin with the psalm of the day. Like, for example, today is February the 20th. So we would read Psalm 20. And then add the number 30 to that. So then you would read Psalm 50. And then add 30, Psalm 80. And then 30, 110. And then 30, Psalm 140. And whoever it was said this said they had noticed that, for one thing, it's always you, you never have to try to figure out where to start. You just start on the day of the month. 
Then you just add 30 to that because there's 30 days a month. And the person said they had noticed by doing that many times that there tends to be a theme that runs through those five Psalms when you separate them by an interval of 30. So I was thinking about that this morning. And I thought, well, you know, I think that's a, that's, I mean, I've done it dozens of, if not more than that, numbers of times in my life and um, many dozens of times. But I started looking at the Psalms that you might, some of the great verses that you might come across today if you took that approach. So let's just take a moment and do this. Go to Psalm 20, the 20th Psalm. And and let's just look at some of the verses that you would read today if you chose to take Dr. Graham's advice and read through the Psalms every month. Look at the very first verse. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. And so today, if you're in a situation, maybe somebody's accusing you of something, or somebody has come against you, or somebody started a rumor against you, and you want more than anything else to set the record straight, and you read this verse, and it says, now, wait a second, God's going to be the one to defend you. God's going to be the one to set the record straight. You don't have to defend yourself. Let that pressure come off of you. That's a tremendous verse. Look in verse number four. May God grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. And then look in verse seven. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. In other words, we will trust God. We're not trusting chariots and horses. We're trusting in God. And so there's just something about that. I mean, I've read those verses so many times. I've got dates, underlined, circled, check marks by these verses, and they have meant so much to me. Now, go to Psalm 50. I'll just show you what, what you would get. If you opted to do this, you just said, for the next month, starting today, I'm going to read five Psalms a day, and uh, beginning on the day of the month. And it, look, if you miss a day or two, so it takes 32 or 33 or 34 days, or if it takes two months, what, what difference does it make? You're working your way through. Now, in Psalm 50, look in verse 15. This is a tremendous verse. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. That was the verse that my mother claimed when she had cancer in, about five years ago. This was the verse God led her to. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Well, that cancer is trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So God has promised if we'll call on him, he will deliver us. That doesn't always mean everybody that gets sick is going to be healed in this life. But it does mean we'll eventually be healed. God's going to deliver us however it seems best to him. Now, keep going. Go to Psalm 80, Psalm number 80. This is one of my favorite Psalms in the Bible. And I want to show you three verses out of this Psalm. That today, if you just, re if you just took this approach, this, is what would, this would be your milk and your meat. It would nourish you. It would strengthen you. It would focus you. It's one of the keys to get you through a crisis, a, crisis, a healthy spiritual diet. This is why Job said to God, I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. God, I need to read my Bible more than I need to eat. Because if I miss a meal, I'll be okay. But if I miss your word, I'm going to spiritually wither up. Psalm 80, look in verse number 3. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Look in verse number seven. Restore us, O God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Look in verse 19. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. See, when we're in a crisis, that's what we need. We need God to shine his face on us. We need God to smile on us. We need God to look at us favorably and to help us. Now, go to Psalm 110. Just show you one verse out of this psalm. Psalm 110. 
It's the first verse. It's, one, it's a verse that Jesus quoted in the New Testament, but I want you to look at it. The Lord, now David is writing this. The Lord said to my Lord. Now you got two, Lord, what is, it, what is this? He's saying, God the Father said to God the Son, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And so it's a picture here of heaven. And God is in heaven and God is seated on his throne. And to God the Father's right hand is Jesus. And he's seated on his throne. So it's a picture of God being very much in control, very much uh, taking care of whatever's going on on the earth. Now, one other, go to Psalm 140. Psalm 140, because you would get this one today too. And this is a tremendous psalm. And in Psalm 140, notice what you'll get if you read this today. Verse number one, deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Now, this is good today if you're in a situation, hopefully you're not in it, but if you're in a situation where at work, you know, sometime at work you see this, like two or three people have teamed up against you or you feel like they have, whether they have or not, and so you just feel like, man, I, I feel like they're kind of trying to side against me here. Well, notice this verse, because David had that feeling. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. Verse 4, keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have purposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. Has anyone ever set a trap for you to try to hurt you or to destroy you or to damage you? They set a trap. Well, David had that. But he's saying, God, deliver me from this. Verse 6, I said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. Now watch this. You have covered my head in the day of battle. God, I don't have to worry about this battle, this fight, what they're saying behind my back. Doesn't make any difference because you're going to defend me. You've covered my head in the day of battle. You have, you've, you've given me protection. Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further his wicked scheme, lest they be exalted. Look in verse 11. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. See, if you're facing a problem like that, and you read that this morning before you went to work, when you got in your car and drove to work, instead of being worried about what everybody's saying or what people might be thinking, you're going to be thinking, God, I just thank you that you're my defender. I thank you you've covered my head in the day of battle. And God, I thank you that you're going to take care of me and I've got absolutely nothing to worry about. See, that's a key. And so I'm just saying, if you will read the Word of God every day, just try those Psalms for one month if you want to do something different. You will find what Job found, that his Word for you will become more meaningful to you even than the food that you eat. Now, you still listening? Say amen. amen. We just covered key three and I'm one minute over. And so we got to stop it right here. And one of these days when my dad skips out on us again, we'll get the fourth key. How will that be? Father, I pray for a person today who's in a crisis. And God, they're just stressed out and understandably so and worried and anxious and what's going to happen and how's this going to end and what are the ramifications and what are the consequences and how will this affect me long term? And uh, God, we've probably all been there in one way or another. I pray today that these verses that we have looked at will comfort their hearts and assure them that you're on their case, that you're very much in control. You see exactly what's happening. They may not understand it any better than Job did. People were talking behind his back too. But 
You know what? He just came to a place to trust in you. And so, Lord, whatever the crisis might be today, help us to find our strength in your word, those anchor verses that really help us and steady us in the storms of life, and then those other verses that just help us day by day to keep our heart right and our focus right. I pray a blessing over everyone here today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the people said, amen. Amen.